Uh, welcome to church this morning. What an incredible presence of the Holy Spirit here. Can I just encourage you to remember to lift up Pastor Mark and Pastor Michelle and the family just as they uh, continue to process uh, the loss of their mum. Uh, just remember just to pray for them, just to lift them up because there is that process that they will no doubt go through. So welcome to church this morning. If you're visiting with us for the first time, we extend a warm welcome to you today. Well, why don't we just hold out our hands this morning in front of us as we are going to receive this morning. Let's pray. Let's commit this to the Father. Father, we just extend our hands to you this morning. And Father, we just ask that you would just uh, refresh us through your word this morning. Holy Spirit, we just receive from you today, Father. Holy Spirit, that you would just touch us, fill us afresh, Holy Spirit. Lord, that we would just walk in your presence. Lord, that we would just hear your voice, your words again afresh, Holy Spirit. Father, we just thank you for your goodness. And we commit this word to you today, Father. We've prepared, we've prayed, and it's over to you now, Holy Spirit, to have your way, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to preach. Don't the uh, musos do a great job? Give me a big welcome. Hand of applause. I want to preach this morning a sermon that I've simply called The Promise. The Promise. On January 1st, 1901, a young woman named Agnes Osman was baptised in the Holy Spirit at a small Bible school in Topeka, Kansas. A student of former Methodist pastor and holiness teacher Charles Fox Parham, Osman received a startling manifestation of the gift of tongues and became in, start, and became in effect the first Pentecostal of the 20th century. Parham said these words, I laid my hands upon her and prayed. Parham later recalled the event, I had scarcely completed three dozen sentences when a glory fell upon her, a halo seemed to surround her head and face and she began to speak the Chinese language and was unable to speak English for three days. As Pentecostals, the Holy Spirit and the outward evidence of speaking in tongues is something that distinguishes us. Apart from the salvation which we experience and we receive through Jesus Christ when we accept him and are born again, it's the Holy Spirit who brings a dynamic to our walks as Christians. And it was for me personally a place of revival that I was saved. Within 18 months, there was about three of us saved. I was the third of those three. Then after that, it was almost like God just opened up the windows of heaven and poured out just a season of grace and a presence of his Holy Spirit where there was just people being saved every service. There was such a presence of the Holy Spirit in that, in that time that uh, God started to just uh, stir our hearts, just to do what he wanted us to do. 
There was such a presence in those meetings. We used to have prayer meetings in the morning at 5.30. And as you would approach that building at 5.30 in the morning, you could hear like rivers of living water, people praying first thing and committing the day to the Lord. We would have pre-service prayer meetings. We'd actually have a prayer room that was set aside. And as you approached that prayer room, it was the same thing. There was just such a buzz and an expectation that God was going to move in the meetings. There was just such a buzz that uh, as we went from that building into the harvest field, as we went into the streets and we started to witness the people, there was such a buzz and an expectation that the Holy Spirit was going to move and it was going to touch people and it was going to save people. We just expected it. We just believed it and it happened. You know, it was such an amazing time. We, there was a whole heap of us got saved at the same time and uh, very few of us had jobs. So each morning, it was a morning ritual. We'd walk down to the old Commonwealth Employment Service. We'd look at the job board. And we would walk back, but we would witness the people on the way. We'd see people saved. We'd see people healed. There was just such a presence of the Holy Spirit. There was such a, 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 just we just weren't embarrassed about who we were, that we were Pentecostals, that we, were, we had the Holy Spirit, and that we were moving in the Holy Spirit. There was such an expectation that uh, we would see people and just take them home. We were so young and so youthful, we'd ring up our pastor and say, Pastor, look what we found. We've put him in the garden shed. It's, his name was David Spry with the one eye. He had a Foster's glass eye. But this was the, uh, the expectation that we had, that God would touch people, that the Holy Spirit would move. And this morning I just want to launch from Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 8, which is a foundation of our Pentecostal roots. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in, your own, in his own authority, but you shall receive power. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be a witness for me in Jerusalem and in, the, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. For you shall re receive power from this promise. So what is this promise this morning? Let's think about it this morning. This promise that Jesus gave us at the end of Luke, he gave us this promise. In be at the beginning, as Dr. Luke starts to write the, the book of Acts, and he records that Jesus gave this promise in chapter 1 of Acts, verse 4, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. This is the promise that Jesus wrote about as he walked for three years on the, uh, with the disciples before he was crucified and ro rose from the grave again. This is the promise that he spoke about. The literal meaning of promise in the Greek is a pledge to do something that obligates the pledger to follow through with it. Cambridge Dictionary says, 
to tell someone that you will certainly do something. And this is what Jesus said that he would certainly do, that he would send this promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit. It's a bit like me this morning if I waved around four or five dollar notes and I said, I promise four of you today that I will buy you a coffee and the rest of it goes to missions that's left over. But if I didn't carry that promise through, my credibility would be shot. So I'm going to promise today that I'll buy you a coffee. See, I passed to Dave. He likes short black, so he's a man after my own heart. Who's visiting with us? This man here. As long as you buy a coffee. Who else likes coffees around here? Ah, Sarah, Dr. Sarah likes coffees as well. She, she just was so bold, she put up her hand anyway. And uh, who else would like a coffee? Pastor Lynn, do you like coffee too? All right, there you go. <laughs> you see, I promised that I would buy your coffee. And I carried through with that. And just as I promised you to buy you a coffee, Jesus has promised the Holy Spirit, and he has carried through with that as well. He made that promise, and he's not a God that can lie, so he's carried through with that promise, and he's given that promise of the Holy Spirit. This is the very promise which Jesus spoke of to his disciples during his three years with them in the context of, of being an advocate, in the context of being an advocate. When he walked with them, he said these words in John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. He leads you into all truth. He's the one that reveals the truth to us. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now. But then, later, will be in you. He's the very promise, the advocate that is within us. He's not just some cosmic force, but he lives within us. When we accept Jesus Christ, when we, uh, when we accept Jesus, our Lord and Savior, at salvation, and we receive the Holy Spirit, he's the very person that lives, lives within us. This is the very promise of an advocate who promises to guide us and direct us through our life. He's the advocate also that is our defense counsel. He's the one that stands in our corner. He is the parakeetus. Paracletus in the Greek, which refers to the one who helps, the one who advocates, the one who comforts us, someone who, who works on our behalf. He's the one that works on our behalf. He stands in our corner. He's the one that stands in our corner and says, it's forgiven. Although the enemy might try and accuse us of something, he stands in our corner and he forgives us. He's the one that advocates for us. I promised Belinda that I would uh, tell her some stories, Pastor Belinda, that I would tell some stories from my old life. So here goes. I stand up here completely innocent today, completely forgiven, but here goes. As a young 
late teen. I was uh, a little bit of trouble and uh, I remember just driving down the road one day. Well, probably not quite remember driving down the road. I was so intoxicated. And I remember looking in my rear vision mirror and seeing these blue lights behind me. So I, I floored it. I hit the curve. I had a blowout. Then I made it into my house. I ran inside, jumped into my bed, and made hours of sleep. Next thing, the police turn up in my bedroom. And uh, they knew it was me, but they just couldn't quite prove it. And they, they took me to the police station, and they were waiting to get a confession out of me. But I was such a pain in the backside. Next thing, I know I'm charged with disorderly conduct. So I don't think um, I was quite complimentary towards and respectful towards who they are and who they represented. And so they couldn't get me on this charge of drink driving, so they got me on this charge of disorderly conduct. But they kept pressuring me. In the end, I must have just sort of quite, just must have just sobered a little bit to say, all right, it was me. And then they had the cheek to turn to me and say, we were just about to let you go too. So there I was charged. And I remember just going down to the see this lawyer the next morning with a terrible headache. And we went, to, I was about, I was to appear in the magistrate's court the next morning. And uh, he said, look, we'll, we'll just sort this out. We'll get it adjourned. So he adjourned, got the, the, the uh, charge adjourned for another date. And uh, he said, this will give me an opportunity to talk to them and negotiate with them. So he went and talked to the police and they said, we, we, won't, we won't drop the charge because he was being a total idiot. We, we, won't, we won't go there at all and dropping the charge of uh, disorderly conduct. And as for drink driving, well, that, that just sticks. So he tried to advocate for me. He tried to get me off the hook, but there was no possibility of doing that because of my behaviour. And so Jesus today... The Holy Spirit today is the one that advocates for us. As the enemy stands there and accuses us, you've done this, you've done that, this is your past, how can you have a future? The Holy Spirit is the advocate that stands there and says, you're innocent. He's the lawyer that stands there on behalf and says, you're innocent. You're free to go. He's the one who assists us in our day-to-day -day living when we mess up. He's the one that comforts us. He's the great comforter. He's the great counsellor when we mess up. He's the one that advocates for us. So what is the, the power? What is this power that Jesus also promised? It is the power which enables us to live a Christian life. Ephesians 3.16 says, I pray, remembering that the Holy Spirit is the one that lives within us, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength. He would empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And then we go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be a witness to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
This is the, the very power on the day of Pentecost when Peter stood up and, there, and the great commentator Adam Clark talks about this moment, how it was a distinguishing moment on the day of Pentecost when Peter and the disciples received the Holy Spirit. When they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, this was a distinguishing moment that they received power. We see the different. We see the Peter that was, that was being forgiven on the beach by Jesus. And we see the, the, the distinct difference in the Peter that's baptized in the Holy Spirit, the boldness to preach to so many people from so many nations on that one day and to see thousands added to the church that day. This was a, a distinction that Peter had from knowing Jesus to being baptized in the Holy Spirit and receiving that power. That power in the Greek is the word dunamis. Many would, you, of you would know that. The word means miraculous power, ability. He gives us ability, abundance, meaning, and might. He gives us, he gives us he's a, makes us workers of miracles, power, strength. He's a, enough to, to believe his wonderful works. This is what we know as baptism of the Holy Spirit. The disciples were gathered in the upper room when the Holy Spirit fell on them. And they all spoke with other tongues. And it says in Acts chapter, chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, on the day of Pentecost, when all the believers were meeting together in one place, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. We see this as a supernatural experience separate from salvation. This is an experience that empowers us. This is an experience that we can walk the walk with Jesus in salvation. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, he empowers us. In Acts chapter 19, we see some, we see, you see some years after the day of Pentecost when Paul was in Ephesus and he comes across some Christians who had, been, who had, who had experienced salvation but had not yet experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 19 verse 1 to 6 says, While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. No, they replied, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke with other tongues and prophesied. This is the very Holy Spirit that empowers us. We can have salvation in Jesus. We can walk in salvation in Jesus. When it's the Holy Spirit comes upon us, he's the one that empowers us and brings us to a new dynamic to walk in him. I think about my own experience, and I was only just speaking to the evangelist that uh, was present that night who prayed for me. I spoke to him yesterday, and uh, 
Some of you might have heard of his name, Ned Davies. He wrote a lot of songs when he was with Hillsong, that uh, God is awesome in this place and wonderful God. And uh, I remember getting saved on the Sunday, incredibly healed uh, of a, 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 a leg problem on the Tuesday. But on the Wednesday, a call was given for baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I was buzzing for my salvation, but when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, there was some, a dynamic that came that was lacking there previously. It was a, a, a new language that I started to speak. It started off as one word. If I remember correctly, I think it was something like, n, n. And just as I went home and I sat in my room and I exercised that, a whole new language, just like a newborn baby learning their, new, uh, their first word, God started to open up, the Holy Spirit started to open up a whole new world, a whole new prayer life to me. A sense of empowerment that came through that as there was a strengthening as I prayed in the Holy Spirit. So how does the baptism of the Holy Spirit help us? He gives us the ability to pray. Romans chapter 8, verse 27 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. We do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. There there are times when I've prayed and I feel like I've just run out of words in English and I felt the Holy Spirit just take over and just start to intercede. He gives us the power to pray. He gives us the ability to push through in that heavenly language. He gives that ability to break through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He empowers us for ministry. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11 says, it is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides, decides which gift each person should have. This is the Holy Spirit that distributes each individual gift, whether it be the spiritual gifts, whether it be the uh, administration gifts, whether it be the leadership gifts. He's the one that distributes these gifts. Now, also, I promised Belinda I'd have to tell a Kathy story. So when we were dating, we were riding push bikes around Alice Springs. We dated on, on push bikes, except I had a shining armor on my push bikes on my my top-of-the-range Ricardo racing bike. And Kathy just had like one of those sedate little English bikes with a wicker, little, little wicker basket in front. And we're going down Larapina Drive and we're going across the railway crossing. And she gets caught between the road and the rail and she goes over on her bike. Of course, I ride up on my Ricardo in my shining armour to scoop her up just as the the two-kilometre freight train from Adelaide is bearing down on her and the bells are ringing, ding, 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 ding. I scoop her up, put her onto the side of the road and she's she's in agony. She's saying, oh, my knee, my knee. I think I've done something to my knee. Of course, full of faith, I have to approve myself. Come to the rescue, sort of moving around in my (laughs) armour. I start to pray for her. Father, in Jesus' name, touch her. Holy Spirit, bring healing to her. Touch her and bring a creative miracle. Heal her knee in Jesus' name. And she says, Mick, 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 it, it feels better. 
And I keep praying, Father, in Jesus' name, heal her. She said, Mick, it feels better. In Jesus' name, Mick, it feels better. And we get up. And we're, all, we're both amazed that God can actually heal, that God actually touches a, a knee. Even somebody, he uses somebody in their shining silver armor and their Ricardo bike, racing, not just a Ricardo bike, a racing bike. And he heals somebody with their little sedate push bike with their wicker basket in it. This is the power of the Holy Spirit to empower us for ministry. This is the power of the Holy Spirit to empower us for the job, the calling that he has for us. This is the power of the Holy Spirit that he enables us to do what we need to do to fulfill his purposes in the kingdom. He's the one that convicts us of our sin John chapter 16, verse 7 and 8. I know that's not a popular word these days, but he's the one that convicts us. He says in John 6, Jesus says in John 16, verse 7, but in fact, it is the best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Have you ever had those moments when the Holy Spirit just niggles you when you know that you're about to do something, when you're about to say something? You know, marriage is a good test for this, when you're about to say something and the Holy Spirit says, you better not say that. You'll be sorry. You'll be sorry if you say that. You, you can relate to that, can't you, Pete? I can see you just knowingly looking there at me. <laughs> Don't say that. You'll be sorry. You know, in my innocence as a new Christian, I used to go down. I was working at the hospital, and I'd go down to the, um, to the staff room, and they used to have cordial there. And I'd just have a drink of cordial. One day, I had this sense, I shouldn't be doing this. This is so wrong. So I threw down the cup, and I never went back there again. It was the Holy Spirit in me saying, you shouldn't be doing this. He's the one that uh, guides us, directs us. He's the one that convicts us of sin. He's the one that speaks to us. Acts 13.2. There goes my phone. It's time to stop. <laughs> I'm nearly there. And they ministered to the Lord, and he speaks to us. And, he, and Acts 13.2 says, and, and as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them to. And again, the Holy Spirit goes on and says to the disciples in Acts 15, and we know that uh, the, about the Jerusalem council when uh, the, the, the Gentiles had pressure on them to be, to be circumcised. But it goes on, as they made a decision, as they brought it to prayer, the Holy Spirit spoke to them and said in chapter 15 of Verse 28, and it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than necessary. This is the, the Holy Spirit that speaks to us. He's the one that directs us. He's the one that guides us. He's the one that still speaks today. He's the one that still speaks to us. There was a time when I, as a young Christian, probably about two years old in the Lord, I was just so passionate about wanting to see souls saved. 
You know, every person that would move, I just, just want to witness to them. And uh, I remember going home to Balaclava to spend some time with my mum and dad. And uh, I think this was in between Kathy going, being in Alice Springs and then going back to England for 11 months. And my mum and dad were sort of saying, oh, she seems like such a nice lady. You should do something with her and get married now. And I remember just going for a walk and I'd been, I, I'd been sort of had a fairly concentrated period of time of prayer and fasting and just really just thinking about souls. It, just, it was the very thing that consumed me. And as I was walking around Balaclava, you know, I saw my old teacher, the old deputy principals. You just can't get away from your old teachers and they sort of know what you like, used to be like and you sort of scurry off. And I'm just so consumed with, 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 with a desire to see people saved. I heard these words. It was, all, it was like the Holy Spirit was saying, stop doing it in your own strength. Stop trying to make it happen. And I heard these words, I will move by my spirit. And I knew, I knew without a shadow of doubt that the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. He's the one that still speaks to us. He's the one that still gives us direction and guidance. He's the one that distinguishes us between salvation and Jesus. We can't remove that. But he's the one when we experience the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, He's the one that touches our hearts. He's the one that touches our lives. He's the one that directs us. He comforts us in our times of trouble. You know, I've, I've said to Kathy, uh, the older I get, when we go through trials, I just have an expectation now that there's an end to them. Whereas in my younger days, I think, used to think my world is falling apart. But when we go, I go through trials now, there's a comfort of the Holy Spirit. There's a reassurance of the Holy Spirit and he speaks to me and says, it's okay, you're going to come through this. You see, baptism of the Holy Spirit, you can come now, Caitlin. In conclusion, I primed the team up before I uh, got up here this morning. When you hear those words, in conclusion, you know you can come up. The Holy Spirit empowers us He's the one that we should be unashamedly Pentecostal. You know, I think sometimes there is such a embarrassment sometimes that we are Pentecostals. But we shouldn't be ashamed to be Pentecostals. We should be so, so encouraged by that because we have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that guides us. He's the one that directs us. He's the one that we go to when we're feeling dry, when we feel like we lack that enthusiasm and we need that revitalized. He's the one that we go to. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads this morning. This morning's been a little bit different. It's uh, a message that I felt to preach and I ran it through Pastor Mark and he was quite encouraging by it. And this morning I really feel like that God wants to fill us afresh, that he wants to touch us again and fill us with his Holy Spirit afresh again. 
He's the one that empowers us. He's the one that enables us. He's the one that helps us to walk through those times when we feel dry. If we just go to Him, ask Him to be, ask Him to fill us again. He's the one that would empower us, for we shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon us to be a witness for us and to be a witness for Jesus in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Just before I go on further, if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, all those years ago, over 30 years ago, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. I asked Him to come into my heart and just the sense of forgiveness that I experienced that day and just the sense that I now had a purpose. I was now reassured of passing from this life into an eternity with Him. But the best thing of all is I get to have a relationship with Him as well on this earth. And this morning, if you're here, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, I would count it an absolute privilege and an honour to pray with you this morning. If you're here, I don't seek to embarrass you. If you'd like to raise your hand this morning, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, if you've never been become a Christian, if you're here this morning, you'd like to raise your hand, we'd count it such a privilege and honour to pray with you this morning. Amen. This morning, I want to open up these altars for two categories of people. If you want to be touched afresh by the Holy Spirit, why don't you come this morning and spend some time at the altar and spend some time asking the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh. Well, perhaps you're here this morning and you've never experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to also pray for you if you're willing this morning just to receive that, to receive that extra dynamic, that strength that the Holy Spirit brings. So this morning I want to open up these altars. Why don't we stand this morning? If you want to be touched afresh, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, these altars are open this morning to be refreshed and touched. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. These altars are open. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
all worship the Lord. Father, we just thank you for your goodness today. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're still working, that you're still touching lives, that you're still changing lives. You're still our advocate. You're still the one that stands in our corner. You're still the one that empowers us, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name.